Welcome everybody. Happy Easter. Thanks for joining us. I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the pastor here at Vertical Church. And so glad that you're just taking the time to hang out with us today, especially if you're with us live on Facebook. Going to encourage you to be interacting and hanging out and commenting and um, just connecting that way through social media. We're glad that we have that part. Uh, also wanted to take a, a moment and just welcome you if it's your first time ever being a part of anything Vertical is doing. Just want to say we're so glad that you're hanging out with us today. We'd love the opportunity to get to know you a little bit. Uh, you can comment right now if you're on Facebook Live, uh, but also we'd love for you to shoot us an email, let us know that you followed along today, and uh, we could answer any questions you have and uh, would love to just be a part of your life and get to say hey a little bit that way. Going to give a little bit of time. Again, happy Easter. Uh, I know people are jumping on. We'll give it a little bit of time before we, we get going, but like I said, we, we want it to be interactive and um, exciting and just in just a way that we, as we are apart, uh, we can be together connecting and encouraging one another. Sort of weird for me, I'm a church kid. And so I'm 37 years old and I actually can't think of a time where I wasn't in a church on Easter morning. And so again, grateful for technology that we can still um, be together and encourage one another. But of course, we all know that the church is not a building. Uh, it, the body of Christ is made up of you and me and people out there being who God called us to be. And so even though we can't gather today, uh, we still get to be the church and, uh, and celebrate what an incredible day. Church may be empty, uh, but the tomb is also empty, which means God is alive and, uh, and he's moving among us. And we're grateful for that. Um, wanted to take a minute and give a shout out to all the kids that are watching today. Kids, so glad you're hanging out with us, maybe participating with mom and dad this morning. I just want to say to you kids, I'm so proud of you. Uh, you've done such a good job putting up with your parents these last couple of weeks. I know that they've been around a lot more and I know that they've been making messes and getting into your stuff. And you've been just doing such a good job taking care of your parents. And I realize we got a couple more weeks of this, but I just want to say good job to all you kids. I know your parents have probably been getting a little cranky and probably being a little whiny and you've probably had to make them take a few naps, but you're doing an awesome job, kids. And so we're, we're glad that you're hanging out with us and taking care of them. Wanted to also shout out to all the essential workers. I think we've done this every single week. And uh, just again, really not because it's the trendy thing to do, right? You see it on social media and, and you see, oh, you know, essential, but for real, especially those working in the medical field. Even this moment, you're, you're maybe missing Easter. You're, you're maybe missing the opportunity to, to connect or be with your family because you're serving, because that's what you're doing. It's not a job for you. It's, it, it's not something that you do to collect a paycheck. We know those of you in the medical field, you're serving, you're laying down your life. And so we say thank you. And in just a moment, we want to pray for you. Uh, and to just see God encourage you and strengthen you. So again, one more time, happy Easter. Glad that you're with us and look forward to just be talking about the resurrection and how God is alive. Uh, we've actually titled this Sunday, Doubt It. And uh, we're going to just be taking a look at what it's like to have doubts and what it's like to maybe walk through some of those things. Uh, we see in scripture, uh, a very famous disciple, Doubting Thomas, you may have heard of him, uh, had these doubts that came after the resurrection. Maybe you have doubts after the resurrection. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like. So let's pray and then we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today. And Lord, we know that you're moving among us. You're with us. You're active. Lord, wherever we are, uh, Lord, we are so grateful that you're the omnipresent God, which means you're everywhere. You're with us uh, wherever we may be today. And so, Lord, we ask that you anoint these words and Lord, help me communicate your truths in a way that bring you glory. And God, we lift up all the essential workers and those in the medical field. Uh, 
um, Lord, that are serving, that are laying down their life. <laughs> Lord, your word says that there's no greater love. There's no greater love than those who put their lives on the line. And so, Lord, strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you give them rest. Lord, I pray that you... Um, you can give them joy, uh, Lord, even as schedules are inconsistent and time is really unstable in their life. Lord, I pray that you just give them joy and peace and strength in Jesus name. Amen. So as I just mentioned, uh, we wanted to take a look this year at uh, the story of Doubting Thomas. And uh, this was, we planned this all before the virus broke out, all before all these things took place. Uh, words like pandemic, uh, state of emergency, shelter in place, all of these things that have caused us to, to doubt, like what, what is going on in the world? What can I have faith in? What can I have confidence in? All this uneasiness has settled in. And um, so before any of this took place, uh, we wanted to focus on this idea of doubt and the story of doubting Thomas. And so how much more important is it for us in these times to take a look at what we can do with our doubt? And so we pick up this story, as I mentioned just a minute ago, it happened um, just after the resurrection. We know that Jesus is resurrected, the tomb is empty, and the word has started to spread that Jesus is alive. After the three days, Jesus is alive, he's been resurrected, um, there's no body to be found. And so this is where we pick up the story in the scripture is teaching us um, that the disciples are gathered and Thomas isn't there at this time. And so we pick this up uh, in John chapter 20. And you see in verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Maybe you're not a church person watching today. What he's describing is the, the nails in his hands and where his side was pierced through the crucifixion. And so Thomas is saying like, look, unless I can see it for myself, unless I can look at the, the facts and the evidences, if you will, he's saying, I won't believe. I, I need to be able to see it for myself, which is interesting because in the church world, I think we all go through those seasons, maybe growing up, you know, you were told, oh, this about church or this about Christianity. I think we all get to a season in our life and we should where we go, hold on, I've got to discover this thing for myself. And that may be you today. That may be you. You've, you've maybe just traditionally uh, been a part of Easter things, but you've never taken the time to discover for yourself if this thing is real. Maybe your parents raised you that way, or maybe just because you live in America, in God we trust. And so you just went with it. Uh, but maybe God is calling you today, this morning, to be like Thomas and be the person who says, unless I see for myself, I got to check this out. And maybe today's the day that you start checking it out. And so I love that about Thomas. Verse 26 goes on. It says a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. So he's with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Then he says this, stop doubting and believe. What I love about Jesus is whenever he tells us to not do something, it's because he has a, another thing that's better than the thing that he tells you not to do. 
People tell me all the time, like, oh, how can you be a pastor? Like, how can you be a Christian? The Bible's so full of rules. Well, the truth is the Bible's actually full of more promises for your life than it is rules. Oh, God is such an angry God, and he wants to make sure you have no fun in life. No, no, no. If you actually read the Bible, the Bible is a message to us of God's love and how he believes in you. Jesus came said, came into this earth and said, hey, uh, I've come to give you life and give it to you how? More abundantly. I've came to show you how to live a better kind of life. And so even here, Jesus is saying, hey, Thomas, don't do that. Don't, don't doubt. Don't be a doubter. Be somebody who believes. Why? Because it's better to be a believer. It's better to be somebody who, who uses your faith and exercises belief. And so he just says, don't doubt. And, and he also knew the heart of Thomas. See, nothing surprises Jesus. Nothing surprises God. You know, you may be a doubter today. You may be somebody who has an unbelief, or maybe you even have a hurt that came from the church. And, and now it's Easter. And you're supposed to be believing on God and celebrating a resurrection, but you have this thing that's hindering you. God knows about that. And he's calling you to him today. He's calling you past the hurt. He's calling you past the pain. And he's saying, I, I know what you're wondering about. I know what you're doubting about. I know what your fears are. Come to me. So that's what he's saying to Thomas. He's, he's saying like, look, I know that you want to see these holes in my hands. I know that you want to see so that you can believe. And then he's saying, stop the doubting and start believing because believing is where all the power is. So Thomas responds, my Lord, my God, when he takes a look at the evidence, when he moves in away from a place of doubt into a place of belief, he then has this, this recognition and this understanding of, wow, my Lord, my God is alive. Many of you watching right now have had that same experience where you have been walking, maybe you were unchurched or maybe you were hurt by church or maybe you walked away from church, but then you got around either the church again or somebody in your life called you back to God. And that's the same experience you had as Thomas. You were able to say, you know what? I've come back to you and now I, my, my heart is recognizing my Lord, my God, this thing is real. God showed up again in my life. God showed up in a way that's caused me to recognize him as Lord and Savior. The most important question I think we can ever ask is, do you believe? Do you believe? And what do you believe? So the most important question above, above all the things that you can question is, is do you believe? Why, why is it so important? Well, because it, it matters for your forgiveness of sin. If we all, the scripture said, have sinned and fallen short of the glory and we need those sins forgiven, well, you have to believe on the resurrection, the death, burial and resurrection in order for our sins to be forgiven. It also matters for the promise of eternal life. Do you believe that God raised Christ from the dead? And by doing that, we can be forgiven of our sins and spend eternal life with him. Do you believe that? Do you on the inside of you have a belief and an understanding on the inside of you that that happened? Or maybe you're a doubter or maybe you're a, a, a true unbeliever saying, I want nothing to do with any of that. We're all in different places of it. But again, I encourage you, like Jesus said, Jesus said, hey, investigate this. Take a look at the truths. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to be taking a look at the truths. I thought about it like this. Um, it's not that Thomas didn't want to believe. 
And maybe you're a person and you're like, it's not that I don't want to believe. It's just hard for me to believe. It seems too far-fetched. Thomas, who was a follower of Jesus, who walked with them, who spent all this time, it's not like he had a posture of an ad or an attitude of, I don't want to believe this. This is all ridiculous. No, on the inside, he wanted to believe it. He wanted it to be true. He just needed to be able to investigate it for himself. He needed to be able to see it with his own eyes, touch it with his own hands. And I think we find ourselves in that situation too. It's not that you don't want to believe it. It's not that you don't want to recognize it. It's just sometimes it seems way too far-fetched. And I'm telling you, Jesus is calling you to just pursue him and draw near to him and find out for yourself that he's real. Many of you watching right now have had an experience where you just said, God, I need you to prove. I need you to show yourself to me. God, I need you, if you're real, to do this thing or to move like this or give me a sign. And God gave a sign. We hear all the great stories of, of people gone back to maybe their bedroom and prayed a prayer or sat in a car contemplate, contemplating suicide and somebody came into their life and, and it changed in a moment. God gives us those signs. And I know many of you have experienced that, but we got to call out and see for ourselves. Some of the greatest heroes in scripture had doubts. It's not like Thomas is the only person in scripture where we're like, oh, he's called doubting Thomas because he's the only one in the Bible that ever had a doubt. No, almost everybody involved with walking with God had seasons of doubt. If you think about Moses, Moses had moments and seasons where he doubted how God was leading him and what God was doing. David, we know, went up and down emotionally and different things with God, doubting uh, how God was leading him. Uh, other disciples had moments of doubt with Jesus. Actually, earlier in the story in John chapter 14, John is... Uh, uh, the, uh, Sorry, Thomas, uh, again, in the, in, the, in the earlier parts of John, John 14, Thomas is doubting even earlier in the story. He says back to Jesus, uh, he says, how will we know? Jesus is talking about how he's going to go away and all these other things. And again, doubting Thomas is like, how will we know this? I have doubts about this. And of course, Jesus gives him an appropriate response. And so Thomas in this story gives us some steps about what we're called to do with our doubts. So I got three points for you this morning that I believe are going to help you on Easter move from doubting to believing. Because remember, Jesus said, hey, you got to stop the doubting. And you got to move into a place of believing. And I'm not just talking about salvation. Maybe for you, you know, the, the state order that just went out, that, that this shelter in place is going to extend longer. Maybe for you, that's kicked you all the way into the boat of doubting. You're in a place of like, you know what? I don't think we're going to make it. I don't think things are going to get better. This is going to hurt us financially in a way that it's going to be hard to put things back on track. Maybe whatever your doubt is, God's message to you today is stop doubting and move into believing. So Thomas gives us these, these three great steps. And the first one is this. It's okay to have seasons of doubt. One thing that I take from this story right away is the reaction that not only the disciples, but even Jesus had when doubt showed up. Do you know, maybe some of you grew up in church and, and you were taught to never have a bad day, never have an emotion, never have a doubt, never question anything. You're too blessed to be stressed and you're going to use faith for everything. And, and, and there's been this like attitude or sort of um, behavior that's like you can't ever question or ever look at anything. Do you know Jesus didn't preach that in this story? He said, stop doubting because that's not the best way to believe. The best way to live is to believe. But do you know that he didn't punish him? He didn't lecture him. He didn't. 
He let him have his moment and showed him what could be better instead. One of my mentors said this to me growing up, and I always remembered it. It's better to doubt out loud than to disbelieve in silence. It's better for us to, to connect with wise counsel and people in our life and say, hey, I'm, I'm working through these doubts. I'm working through these worries. I'm working through some of these things. It's better to doubt out loud, doubt out loud with those who, of course, are walking in God's wisdom. It's better to do that than to live a life of silence and disbelief. God can handle our questions. God can handle our wonderings. Uh, I thought about it like this. You know, the disciples didn't reject Thomas for having doubts. The moment he doubted, they didn't cast him out of the fellowship. They didn't tell him to go far from thee, right? No, they gave him time. The scripture says from when uh, they told him, it was a week later and he was still in their presence. I thought about Thomas. Thomas didn't walk away from the fellowship because he had doubts. No, he, he stayed connected to a body that was going to help him find the answers. I hope for you that you didn't have a church experience that caused you to have doubts or disbelief and then you left the fellowship. My encouragement for you is, is stay around people that can help you move from doubting to believing. You may be new to the church or this is your first time watching as Vertical Church. We would love to be that for you. We would love to be that group that can come in and help you with their doubts. And that's why we have this online experience. And that's why we have resources that you can connect with uh, all throughout the week to, to help you move from doubting to believing. So he has doubt, but then he basically moves into this position, unless I see for myself. And so what Thomas did, and it teaches us to do this, he went from doubting to a position of I'm going to press in and I'm going to find truth because truth ultimately is what helps us believe when we discover truth that forms our beliefs. And so doubting Thomas says, I'm leaving doubting. I'm going to see for myself and it's going to cause me to find belief. Henry Drummond, a Scottish evangelist, he said this, he said, Christ can always distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is I won't believe. And so Jesus is okay. God is okay with us saying, hey, I'm having this moment of doubt. As a pastor, can I tell you the truth? I pray for people and I don't see them better. I don't see them healed. I don't see their circumstances change. And I go, God, where? Where are you in this? You've called me to speak these scriptures and say these prayers and, and I don't see. And so I have these moments of doubts. But you know what God does? God can handle those doubts because it's not an unbelief on the inside of me. It's not like this, somebody who's saying, I'm choosing to be a person who doesn't believe. It's saying, God, help me in these times of doubts. And so I love that thought there. I thought about it like this. Doubt is looking for light. Unbelief is being content with darkness. Moving from doubt into light and to belief is just moving toward there's got to be more. There has to be more truth. And we start moving toward that out of our doubt into belief. Typically, when we read scripture, we pay attention to what Jesus said. In this story, I want us to focus in on what he didn't say. Notice Jesus didn't say, as I mentioned earlier, how dare you have doubt? Get away from me. I can't believe that I chose you. And now you're a person of doubt. Instead, he just says, hey, move from doubt to belief. 
God can handle these doubts, but what we got to do is we got to allow ourselves to move in to a place of searching for truth. And that takes us to point number two is this, we must search for the truth. You can't just be somebody who says, oh, I have a doubt and oh, I hope one day um, some thing is going to flow down from the sky and it's going to reveal to me a truth. God's going to send me an email uh, and I'm going to just know that I know that's not how it works. The scripture says that there's there's mysteries in God that we're called to seek and pursue. And God gave us his word, his truth, his will so that we can search out what is true. Uh, you're sick of hearing it as much as I'm sick of hearing it. But we live in a culture of fake news. And that's not me taking a shot at a news channel or another news channel. But you all know this, that uh, all sorts of platforms on social media and the news and all the things that we see, there is a world infected with mistruth. We call this thing a truth and it's acceptable and we know it's not. And we say that this is a fact and it's not. And we say that, that and so there's all of this fake news uh, just trying to consume our lives. I'm so grateful that God gave us his word, his truth. Why? Because he knew that there would be a time today where we would have to dive so deep into what is true in a world of all of this fake truth. And so he gave us his word. And so we would go like this. Uh, I don't know if all of this is real. You may be in the place, I don't know if all this is real or what's real and what's not real, but we need to go on a journey of searching for truth. What I love is most people, I would say almost all people, when they go on this search for truth, they find God's truth. Simon Greenleaf, uh, principal founder of Harvard. So quite a few years back, um, very, very well known. You can look him up. He set out to disprove the accounts of the New Testament. So he put himself on a journey to disprove. And of course, the more he looked, the more he found truth, the more he found truth, the more he recognized God as being somebody he needed to have in his life. And he went on to write the testimony of the evangelist. And he's one of the uh, Christian apologetics people we point back to uh, from many, many years ago. So Simon Greenleaf is one that as he searched, he discovered truth. William Ramsey is one of of the United States greatest archaeologist. You could also look him up. Some would argue that he was the greatest ever. Uh, he also set out to uh, disprove Luke's account in the gospel, the veracity of that. And so he went to Israel and upon coming back and discovering uh, God's truths and the facts uh, about the New Testament, he said that Luke is the most preeminent and accurate historians of all time. His when he started in a place of even unbelief, or you could even say doubt, and the more he searched and the more he pursued God and the more he looked for truth, the more he found himself believing to a point that he gave his life over to God. Many of you might have heard of uh, atheists, atheist Lee Strobel. He was a writer for the, uh, actually award-winning writer for the Chicago Tribune. So very famous in his time as a journalist and uh, a, a staunch atheist at this time. Well, his wife became a Christ follower. And so out of annoyance and out of wanting to poke holes in the way that she's spending her time, he began to devote himself to discovering uh, the scripture and faith and what God would say about our lives and creation. And the more that he searched, wouldn't you know, 
he began to recognize that all of the scripture stands as true and that God's plan for our lives are true and that we can follow him with all of our lives. And so he's now become one of the leading, again, teachers in apologetics uh, in our nation. He wrote the book Case for Christ, Case for Easter, and uh, just says it like this, the more you search for God, the more he will reveal himself. And I know that's many of your stories watching now. You can click the hearts and likes right now and you say the more that you've pressed into God, the more you realize that he's true. The more that you realize that, that he has plans for us and that this thing is real. Jeremiah 29, 13 actually says it to us this way. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So that's my question for you today is, have you taken the time to seek God with all of your heart? Just like doubting Thomas, who said, I got to see it for myself. Have you said to God, God, I need to see your truths in, in my life. I need to see your existence, your, 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 the, the Christians tell me that you're alive and you're resurrected and you're moving on my behalf. God, I, I need to see that. Well, the scripture promises you that you'll find him when you seek him with all of your heart. I thought about it like this. Have you taken the time to look into and research some of these truths? Uh, there's a few books I want to suggest to you if you're going to start this journey of moving from doubt to belief. There's a book out there called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I encourage you to pick that one up and read it. Dr. Ravi Zacharias has another book called Jesus Among Other Gods and another book called The End of Reason. Frank Turok, this is a good book. Uh, it says uh, his, his book is titled, I don't have enough faith to be atheist. Did you know that it takes more faith to look past all of the truths that have already been proven as truth in the Bible? It takes more faith to look past all of those than it does to accept the truths of the Bible that have already been proven. So his idea is I don't have enough faith to be atheist. And Mark Clark has a great book called The Problem of God. I would say it to you like this. We research a lot of things before you buy a car, you research it. Before you put your kids in a school, you research it. Before you make a financial investment, you research it. Uh, before you go on vacation, uh, you research it. Unless you're a seven on the Enneagram, then you just go because you're cool. You're good people. I'll take some likes for the sevens. But you research it. You look into it. Oh, where's it going to be? And what's there to do around there? You look into all of these things. Uh, I thought about entertainment going on your social media and saying, hey, during this quarantine time, what should I be watching? What's entertaining? And some of you, what you consider entertaining has just gotten uh, insane. Uh, but we're going to leave that alone because it's Easter. Uh, but we look into entertainment. Help me research entertainment. I want to see what's out there. But the question that I would ask you today is, have you researched eternity like you spend time on your car, your investment, your kid's school, your entertainment, your vacations. You've spent time going on a device or reading a book to, to find the answers to these things that at the end of the day don't matter. Have you spent time literally looking into God's truths? I'm talking about uh, this is just an idea kind of a thing. But have you looked at the, the holes in his hands? Have you searched into the things so that you can believe? So these books, I'm not just saying, oh, it might be cute if you wanted to in your life. Maybe read a few of these things. No, have you have you looked into eternity and how you're going to spend it? And the choices that you make right now really, really matter. 
And when you look into these things, I believe that it's going to move you from doubting or even unbelief to believing. I thought about it like this. Um, Larry King, I heard this story. Uh, many of you probably remember Larry King. Uh, he was an interviewer. Uh, he had, I guess, a talk show, you would call it, a little bit different style than like our comedy talk shows. But he's probably interviewed the most people uh, out of anybody in human history. I mean, just, I, I forget how long his show ran, but every single night, a different person. And so he's probably talked to the most people ever, certainly spent some, the most time. Uh, and so all these different people that he's talked to, and they once asked Larry King, they said, hey, if you could interview anybody in human history and ask them one question, who would you interview and what would the question be? And without hesitation, he said, that's an easy one. He said, I would interview Jesus and I would ask him if he was actually raised from the dead. And they said, well, you know, why does that be? Because it would change everything. If he, speaking to Jesus, could, could know that he knows, if he could hear it from the mouth of Jesus and know that, yeah, this Christ was raised from the dead, he knew the implications of that would change everything. And I believe, and I think like many of you believe, it did happen. The tomb is empty. Christ is raised from the dead. And those implications change everything. Not just here now on earth, but for our eternities. I would say it to you like this. There is enough historically accurate, scientifically reliable, and intellectually credible evidence that Christ was raised from the dead and that the message of Jesus and creation is so accurate and true that you can put your life on it. You can move from unbelief and doubt to believing. Uh, I'll put it to you like this in point number three. We must acknowledge the truth. There's enough of it out there. There's enough of it proven. Uh, there's enough of it experienced in your life and in my life that we must, as, as human beings, acknowledge this truth. I said to you before, it takes more faith to not believe the Bible than to believe it. Let me run you through some statistics here that I'm going to just kind of help build uh, your faith and, and just build your understanding um, for what these truths look like. College courses teach semesters on the apologetics or the defense of the gospel. That's what an apologetics uh, is. It's a defense of the Bible or the gospel. There's college courses teaching that. No other time in the world will this many people come together for one man than right now. Easter celebrating right now. We've joined together to celebrate the resurrection. No other time in human history or has there ever been what, because of some fairy tale, because something that might have happened? No, because it's true and God is alive and we get to experience that. Right now, currently, there are three billion people worshiping on every continent in the world. One, that's about one out of every three people on the planet right now are worshiping God today on Easter. Why? Because it was a cute story, because it makes you feel good, because it kind of helps you raise your kids to be good people. No, because there was power in the resurrection. And not only uh, is it something we can believe on because there's evidences and there's truth, but it's also something that I believe you can experience. I thought about it like this. Uh, of the three billion people worshiping today, we think the Super Bowl is a big deal. Like, oh, wow, everyone in the world is watching the Super Bowl. Eh, the Super Bowl only has about 118 million people viewing it. 
Right now for Easter, they estimate about 3 billion people are worshiping. It's unbelievable the impact of the power of the resurrection. Did you know that Christianity is still growing faster than it ever has? Uh, and so the more the years go on, do you know the more momentum it gets? It's not some old story that's going to go away. No, it's actually growing in power. And the scripture says that the further we go, the more of an outpouring we're going to receive from God supernaturally. Scripture says in the last days, signs and wonders. I can't wait to see how the power of the resurrection continues to move in our life. Do you know right now if the current population of Christians was a population, it would be larger than China, Europe, and the United States combined. That's the amount of Christ followers. What makes this amazing is that it started with just numbers like this, 12 disciples. And now you have followers of this size. Why? Because it was a cute story or it was a good fairy tale or somebody did a good job passing it down to their grandkids. No, it's because there's power in the resurrection and it's something you can experience today. You can move from doubting to believing because it's true. So 12 disciples, then 120 followers. And as it grew and went town to town, again, 2000 years later, we see over 3 billion worshiping. What's amazing is Jesus never wrote anything down. It's not like, oh, he was just the best salesman. He was just so slick. He just really had the best social media campaign. And so this thing grew so strong. No, he, he didn't write anything down. He didn't produce anything. There was people who gave accounts of his life, but he never put down anything that, that, that sailed this into what it is today. Uh, think about this. In human history, there's nobody with more books written about him. There's the Bible, which is the best-selling book of all time every year, continues to be the best-selling book of all time. Uh, there's no human uh, who's ever lived that has more art or more statues contributed to his life. There's no, more, uh, no person with more buildings or architecture uh, created around his life and the message of the gospel and songs written or hymns or however you would want to list it. Nobody has had the impact that Jesus had. Why? Because he was, he's alive and he lived and he died and he was rose again uh, so that we could experience him and move from doubting to believing. Jesus is the most documented human in history. Historians use the book of Acts to rediscover land. I'm just trying to give you some truths and some facts of things that, that are really taking place. Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles, yet now his message is worldwide. Our history is split between the resurrection. Your birthday is affected by the resurrection. We have AD, we have before Christ, BC, and AD. Literally, the way that our years work are affected by the resurrection. Why? Because it's true and it took place and it's accounted for. There is no greater fact attested to in history than the empty tomb and the resurrected appearances of Jesus. Let me break that down for you. Of all the historical documents that, that are considered true, they pass all the tests, literature tests, all the tests of all the historical accounts. There is none that has more attested to it than the resurrection and uh, the reappearance of Jesus in all of human history. 
You can't argue it. It's already been proven uh, through history. It's amazing. Here's one thing that I think is really fun. So we're going to have a little bit of fun here. So get ready. Uh, there's this thing in scripture called prophecy. It's the foretelling of the future, not like in a weird crystal ball way, but prophets were used in scripture, God speaking to a person, and then they would give that word that God spoke to them out to people. Did you know this about Jesus' life? Again, these are facts. This isn't like somebody said that this all took place. No, it's recorded in history, unarguable because it took place. And I could get into you about how the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered just even in 1940 and 50 in the Dead Sea Scrolls were accurate to this. So I could go on and on, but I'm just going to give you these. 450 BC. So we're going to just say 400 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. These prophecies start rolling out about how Jesus is going to show up and he's going to be Messiah. And they start giving specific ways about how he's going to show up here on earth. And again, these are facts. It happened. It was recorded in history. We can't change these no matter what you believe. And so these four over 400 prophecies are given, which imagine, you know, I could maybe say about you, you can make a prediction for a couple generations. Is it, well, their granny and their grandpa, they're probably going to be born here and live this way and maybe be like this. But you're not even going to get close with a 400-year prediction. And so there's all these prophecies that were given, born of a virgin, extremely, uh, extremely rare, but born of a virgin, extremely rare predictions, born in Bethlehem. Again, for them to predict this about the lineage of David to be born in this place, again, just a, a really rare prediction. Um, to enter Jerusalem on a donkey, which of course would have been last week's Palm Sunday, we would have talked about this. And so again, to ride on a donkey wouldn't have been something, a horse for sure, but a donkey would have like, what, what's happening there? A very rare and unique prediction. Betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Why would you even be talking about this, about a Messiah being betrayed for money and then to give a specific amount, 30, and then it happens um, to be spat on and to be struck. Uh, even crucifixion, many people don't know this, but do you know that to be hung on a cross and to be pierced in your hands, uh, do you know that that wasn't even a way of, of execution? hadn't even been invented or created or used. And so for them to make this prediction this long ago, and then for it to become a thing, you couldn't even make it up or make it possible, um, even if you knew these facts. So again, when they said pierce through your hands and through your feet, uh, they, they, uh, the prophecy was even that soldiers would gamble for clothing, buried in a rich man's tomb. Like why? Imagine given that prophecy, the Messiah is going to come, he's going to be buried in a rich man's tomb, and you can believe me about that. What a crazy, it had to have been God speaking through them, which it was, and it came true, and unbelievable uh, just movings of God. I'm going to give you some stats here. If we just take just eight, just eight of the prophecies, okay, uh, which there were over 300 of them that came true. So of the 300 prophecies, if we're going to take just eight, and we're going to try to give them some odds, here's the odds of these eight prophecies coming through. You would have to do this. Let's take the size of Texas. I know many of you have heard this before. But if you take the size of Texas, here's the odds of these, just eight of these 300 prophecies coming true. And keep in mind, all of them did. Um, imagine you're in Texas and uh, Texas is a big state. You know, many of us get tired when we drive from where we are 
to the top of Michigan and, and or Mackinac, and it's a three or four hour drive. Do you know if you drove across state Texas, it would take you about 12 hours. So that's a huge state. 12 hours is a huge state. Here's what you would do. Here's what the odds would be. Imagine if I told you we were going to take silver dollar coins and we were going to spread them across the entire state of Texas two feet deep. So silver dollar coins, we're going to cover the entire state of Texas, two feet deep. And then you're going to mark one of those coins with a red X on it. And then you're going to mix all of those coins up again, continue, or uh, uh, remember, you've covered the whole state of Texas. Then I'm going to put you up in a helicopter. We're going to fly above Texas and wherever you feel appropriate for us to land, you get one shot to pick up one coin. And that's got to be the red X coin. That would be the odds of just eight of these 300 prophecies coming true, which, of course, as you know, is basically impossible to give you the actual definition, the mathematical term. It would have been one in 100 quadrillion. That would be your odds. It's one with 17 zeros behind it. Basically impossible for just eight of the 300. And you know that all 300 of those prophecies came true. And I can go on and on. And if you read those books that I mentioned, the, the truth and the power in the experience of God is never been more alive than it is today. You may, again, find yourself in doubt and disbelief and maybe even discouraged because of the things that are going on. I'm telling you, if you like doubting Thomas, just turn your eyes and your heart to seeing and believing that God is real. He will show up in your life. Just like Jeremiah said, just if you seek me and seek me with all of your heart, even with a, 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 a place that started as doubt, if you begin to just move toward him, God will show up in your life. And so my question to you is this, what are you going to do with the truth? Maybe you heard a truth in this sermon today, or maybe you heard a truth this week, or maybe as you move toward Jesus, you're saying, God, I, 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 need, I need to move from doubt to belief. I need something real in my life. Maybe this whole pandemic has just made you feeling empty or made you feel like this life doesn't mean anything. Uh, I'm here to tell you that God wants to meet you where you are. He's not scared of your doubt or unbelief. He wants to show up in a way that, like he said in Jeremiah, when you seek me, you will find me. Uh, and so what are you going to do with the truth? John chapter 20, verse 29 says this, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet believed. So he's saying to Thomas, Thomas, you have seen me and believed. And that's a good thing, of course. But then he's saying to those like you 2000 years later who haven't seen him, but yet you're still choosing to believe. Guess what's on your life? A blessing. He's saying, those of you that are going to use your faith and believe in me, there is a blessing that will come on your life when you live that way. So I'm encouraging you, move from doubting, move from unbelief to belief and let God's blessing come on your life. What is his blessing? Well, I believe his blessing is, is all the promises of scripture. He can give you hope and joy. The scripture says fullness of joy, not like materialistic, like, oh, that made me happy because I got this new car or this new house. No, fullness of joy. Living and walking in the way he created you to be is what I'm talking about. I thought about it like this. Uh, I love this thought. Only in a world where faith is difficult can faith exist. So you may be sitting here and go like, I want to believe, I want to follow God, but I've got these things over here that cause me to doubt and doubt heavy. Well, just remember, only in a world where faith is difficult can faith exist. 
if it was all believable and we understood it all, it wouldn't require faith. There's those seasons where it just takes faith. I might be saying to you right here today, like, hey, God put you here watching for a reason. He said, ah, I don't know if I believe that. Well, use your faith. Use faith because you may be in a world where you're saying, ah, I don't know if I can believe that. It's difficult for me to believe that God ordained this time for me to. But I'm believing that if you use your faith and you seek him wholeheartedly, he will reveal himself to you. I thought about it like this. I would rather live my life believing there is a God and find out there is not than live my life believing there isn't a God and find out that there is. We're all using our faith for something. You're either using your faith not to believe or you're using your faith to believe. So my question is, like, have you searched him? Have you pursued him? Have you have you taken the time to look into all that God has for you in finding the truth? We have a choice to make. Are you going to be a believer? Are you going to be a doubter or are you going to be an unbeliever? And so my encouragement to you this morning is what I love about God is he's always calling us near him. He's not some angry lightning bolt throwing God that says, oh, mankind is messing it up again or get them away from me. He's always calling us to him. So I want to give you the opportunity to take that step toward God today. You might have heard of this before. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. But the book of Romans gives us this outline for what it looks like. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, or even if you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Talking about a life change, a heart change. It's, it's the church word that we use called repentance. It's saying, hey, I used to be living this way, but to repent is to do a 180. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm now going this way. I'm turning from my sins in the ways that I used to live, and I'm now taking steps towards God. The scripture promises if we acknowledge Jesus as Lord and that his plan on the cross for us was salvation, if we do that, you'll be saved. Romans 10, 13 says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved right where you are. You can call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to do anything weird like get down on the floor and, and pray some crazy uh, dramatic thing. Just your heart right now on the inside. If you're saying, I want to move from doubting to believing. It's time for me to put my faith, hope, and trust in God. As I just mentioned, some call it the sinner's prayer. Some call it the prayer of salvation. Uh, it's both of those things. It's the same thing. But what it is, is it's your heart saying, God, today I'm choosing you as Lord and Savior. I don't want to live the way I used to live. I want to live with you leading my life. And I get the opportunity to lead you in that. You don't have to be in a holy church at a, a place with a steeple right where you are. You can make that decision today, and I encourage you to do it. I'm going to take a minute and just pray for you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and I'm going to just right where you are, have you repeat the words. Maybe you're with some people, and, and you don't maybe want to say it out loud, but you just kind of want to say it to yourself or in your heart. Go ahead and do that. It's about your heart. God sees your heart. Maybe it's not even Easter anymore. You're watching it a few days later. It's not like this prayer expires. So however you may be, wherever you may be listening it. God's got you on his heart and in, on his mind today. So let me lead you in this prayer. If you today are saying, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to choose him today. I want to begin this search for truth. Then repeat these words after me. Let's say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. 
help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins and help me be the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome job. I hope you prayed that prayer. And uh, I really don't want you to even feel like this is something the preacher should be doing at a table on a camera and like this. Forget all of that. This is a holy moment. Like, I don't, I don't care about cameras and screens and online experiences. I care about you. Being in a relationship with God. So this isn't some slick gimmick that I'm trying to try to do because we want to have a certain number of, of people that pray that prayer. I want you to live the life that God created you to live. And so don't look at this as some, some salesy thing, some Christian television thing. This is a, like a, a person who cares about you. And doesn't want you to go through these weeks in this life and in a fear or in a doubt or, or, or a loneliness of, God, I don't know what I believe and I don't know what I'm experiencing. This message that I give today is because I believe in its power. And his power isn't to fill a church building because this church building is empty right now. It's not to, um, it's not to make me feel better or to make anybody feel better. It's so that our marriages can be better, so that our kids can be grown in a way with, with healthy parents. And, and I know you're, you're hearing my heart on this. So I, I'm just trying to, to speak to your heart today of don't go, oh, on Easter, I prayed this little prayer. No, what you prayed was something that's going to change your life. And by doing that, there's some steps that you can take after that. And so we have a free resource we want to give you. And again, I, I, I took a minute just to really share my heart there of, and I, I don't have it in my notes to, to do that. I just, I did it because I care about you. So please don't let me like pitch this to you as like a, a salesy gimmick, but we got this book that we want to send to you. If you prayed that prayer, um, we want to help you with your next steps. Uh, again, as you're pursuing truth, uh, there's some resources we want to give you to help you do that. And so what we would ask that you would do is uh, just let us know that you prayed that prayer. Uh, you can message us right on Facebook right now. If you're watching this live, you can shoot us a message uh, or you can just email the church. You say, hey, I prayed that prayer and we're so excited for you. We'll cheer you on in that. But we would love to mail you a copy of this book. And um, the book doesn't like convert you to our church or anything like that. It's just things about the scripture that are going to help you live in your next steps with God and, um, and just walk in those ways. So We'd love to hear from you. You know, get us those notes, get us those thoughts, and um, and we'd love to be able to get you that material. And um, just so grateful again that you joined us, and hopefully uh, you prayed that prayer. And for the rest of us, I want to encourage you as you go forward this week, stop doubting. Right? Jesus, is like, this is not the way forward. Uh, this is not it. This over here, believing, believing. So your encouragement to each other. And it might even get obnoxious. You can say to each other, are you doubting? Are you doubt? Are you believing? And so, and so there's a little bit of a hand slap that you can kind of do in the house this week. Maybe your spouse is frustrating. Uh, 
frustrating. Your spouse is frustrating. Uh, I was going to say getting frustrated, but I feel like the Lord really uttered me. That is what your spouse is doing, frustrating you. Uh, but you say, are, are we doubting or are we believing? Are we just going to stay in this place of doubt or are we going to move toward and see and experience the resurrected God. How frustrating would it be if you're Jesus? You came up from the tomb and you've ascended into heaven and, and you've overcome death, hell, and the grave and you're looking down at the result of that and you're just seeing all of your people over here living in doubt. He's like, what more do I have to do? I've resurrected. I've overcome death, hell, and the grave, and they're still doing this. No, believe, believe. Let's use our faith. Amen. And so let me pray for, uh, for all of us as well. And then I got a couple cool things before we take off at the end of this. God, we love you so much. So grateful for your word. Lord, I pray that you help us move from doubting to believing. God, we want all of our faith, hope, and trust in you. Lord, because we know that you're alive and you're moving on our behalf. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, in just one second, uh, we have a really incredible uh, cinematic art piece we're going to show to you here in just a minute. One of the, the artists in our church, Amy Straub, give her some likes and love real quick. Uh, she came in this week and put together an incredible just, just art piece. We're going to show that uh, at the end of this. So don't sign off. Stick, stick around and watch this. Uh, but I did want to give you a few announcements going forward. One is hand-to-hand. -hand. Our ministry and our outreach center is still taking place. And so all the ways that you would normally participate... Uh, um, we're meeting the needs of families and getting food uh, distributed. And so a few ways you can uh, support that. One is on our website, just verticalstory.com. You can find out more about it. Uh, but then also on our vertical outreach page on Facebook, you can look that up and be a part of that. But just thank you so much for, for making that happen and, and allowing that to continue on as, as families are making their way through their need. And then also want to let you know, Vertical Kids page, if you haven't followed along all throughout the week, um, we're putting together information for your kids and activities and things you can be doing while you're hanging out at home together. And so Vanessa and our children's team is doing such a great job with that. So check that out, Vertical Kids page, and there's Pinterest and things like that that you can follow along. So don't miss out on that. And then also wanted to just say thank you so much for your giving. Uh, you've been able to just keep us supported and moving forward as a church. You know, last week's sermon was our highest viewed sermon of all time. And so as the church world for us really got flipped upside down, I know your lives did as well. Um, but we had to buy equipment and prepare to be able to do things differently than we normally would. And because of your generosity and your continued support, we were able to get the equipment and make things happen. And like I said, the impact last week already was the highest it's ever been. And so thank you for your generosity and uh, your continued support. You can give uh, by just mailing your donations. Obviously, we can't gather and collect in a service. So you can mail it right to the church or you can give online, verticalstory.com. Click on generosity, hit the give now button, and then from there, you can set up all your giving. So thank you so much for doing that. And then also want to let you know, if you haven't joined us yet for our, our uh, weekday prayer, it happens Monday through Friday uh, at 8 a.m. Right on the Facebook page, we connect with Radiant Church. Uh, we're in the network of churches with Radiant, and they do worship and prayer, and they stream that out. We put it on our page. And so as you're getting ready, as you're moving through the house, whatever you're doing, just have that up have that up and that could have been bad i could have spilled my easter communion oh i don't know if it's not that but uh would love for you to be praying i need your prayer as you can tell 
I need your prayers and uh, I need your help and I really need to see you. So I'm a person who likes people. And so I've said this before, uh, we're still officing here as our uh, hand to hand center is essential. So if you just want to come to the church and throw rocks at my window, I'll be happy to to wave at you. Uh, so prayer, join us for prayer. We'd love for you to be able to do that. And then lastly, before you take off, as we just mentioned, we have a cinematic art piece we would love for you to see. Amy did a great job putting this together. I know it's going to minister to you. And so stick around and check this out as we roll it. Much love. We'll see you soon.